Good evening. How many of you love the Lord? Hallelujah. We're at the right place tonight. It's so good to be with you again. Every week I look forward to the weekend. When we can gather together, then there is a strength that we get from being in one another's presence and and growing together and praying together. And even if tonight we're maybe a light crowd, that doesn't take away any of the power or authority that we've been given, right? I want to take a moment and talk to you about divine appointments with people. Divine appointments. I mean, this has to do with what we were talking about, missions. Tonight, we have with us, um, I call him Big Tim. To all my friends and to everyone I talk to, I just say Big Tim, and they know who I'm talking to. So, so Big Tim, come stand beside me, and then you'll know what, what, what I'm talking about. I get to feel like I'm 10 again. <laughs> Tim was, was one of those divine appointments for me. And um, you just get comfortable standing here for a little while because it's going to take me a bit to tell this story. So it is because of this relationship here and because he is open and hearing the Lord and obeying the Lord and because I'm open and hearing and obeying the Lord is why we're in Turkey, is why we're in Iraq, is why we're in Syria. It's why we're doing all that work in the Middle East. And because of this relationship. In 2015, late in the year, I went to, down to Texas to Kenneth Copeland's place there where they were doing a training, executive protection training. That meeting was full of divine appointments and divine meetings. This is where I met Tim. It's where I met Pastor Kurt Owen. And all the work that we help him do around the world came from that meeting. The reason I went to that meeting is because Apostle Dale had a good idea. He's like, hey, I'm going down to this training and you should, you should consider coming down with me. It'd be a good thing for you to go. I'm like, well, what do I as a pastor need to go to executive protection training? I mean, it sounds like fun, but, but why? You know, what, what should I be doing there? And um, I felt, I pray, and I'm, yeah, that seems like that's the Lord. And so I tell Apostle Dale, okay, I'll go along. So that's how I'm down there at this meeting, right? And we spend two weeks there in training, and in the process got to uh, meet, meet Tim and just immediately loved him and his heart for the Lord and just a very, very tender heart towards the Lord. And so those are my kind of people, right? And so we spend two weeks together. We separate. We go our own ways. And in uh, January, February, I go to Ukraine with Apostle Dale. And on the way home, I have this layover in Turkey in Istanbul, and I saw it was going to be an overnight layover, and so I extended it by another day because Apostle Dale taught me that when you have a hard trip and you do some hard traveling, that rest a day or two before you come home so that you come home charged up and fueled up for your family rather than being completely spent when you arrive home. So I took his advice, I extended my layover by a day, and just walked the streets and prayed and did some sightseeing, and just did a lot of just praying and resting with the Lord. Yay, you know, Turkey had never been on my radar. I'd never thought of Turkey before. Just happened to have a layover in Istanbul. I get home and I cannot get Turkey out of my mind. Just all day, every day, it's stuck in my mind. This goes on for like a week. At the end of that week, I finally sharpened up enough to realize this must be the Lord because there is nothing in the natural realm that would make me constantly be thinking about Turkey. 
It's just, I don't have any contacts there. I don't know anyone there. I've never thought about Turkey. Like, whatever. So, Lord, this must be you. So, Lord, if you want me to be doing something there, I need, I need a contact in Turkey. So, I, this is what I prayed to him, and this is what I asked him. Approximately two weeks after I got back, one week after I prayed that, one day I get a text message. And I hadn't spoken to him since I'd seen him, met him several months earlier. I get a text message from him and he says, hey, are you looking for a contact in Turkey? And I hadn't put that on social media. You know, just, I'm just like, what? And so I say, why would you ask that? Because I wanted to know, okay, who's been talking to him? You know, who's been telling him? And he says, well, this morning in my quiet time with the Lord, you know, I was just like having devotions with the Lord, and, and I felt like he told me you were needing a contact in Turkey, and one of my best friends lives there, is a missionary there. Oh. And so he sends me a name and an email address, and, which was Stephen. And so, of course, you know the rest of the story, how we went to go see them later that year, and, and the rest has been history. But it was because of his obedience to thinking that the Lord's telling him something one morning and to just randomly text me and say, are you needing X, Y, Z, right? And that is how the Lord, how the Lord works. So, um, Tim, I'm going to give you an opportunity to say anything that's on your heart. You guys have wonderful pastors. Your pastors believe in you. They love you, and we love them. And it's really important these days to have a shepherd that really loves the heart of God and loves the people of God, right? Um, he gave me a mic. That's a dangerous thing to do. <laughs> Some may argue I don't need a microphone, but I'll use it. Um, you want to tell them about, well, I think you already told them when I texted you a couple weeks ago. So it's interesting how God will work things out. So I was sitting on my front porch, and it was back in August, September, August, I forget, I have notes on my phone. We were in a service in the church worshiping. I'll interrupt. It was five days to a week before I scrolled across that airplane, and the Lord said, that airplane, you're buying that airplane. But he didn't send it to me until a couple weeks ago. Uh, the night that I preached the fasting sermon to you. That was the day he sent it to me. Yeah. So God will use anyone. Let me tell you, if God can use me, he can definitely use you. And that's the truth. Um, I don't know. I was praying a little bit, wanting to talk to you guys, just to encourage you guys in some way. And this kind of takes a whole turn. So I'll, I'll just share parts of my testimony with you. That's okay. All right. So I'm actually second-generation African-American. My family's from South Africa, Zimbabwe, really. Um, they immigrated here into ministry, helping establish churches and schools, training people. So anyway, that's, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up around the moves of the Lord and had a tender heart from an early age, and it didn't really become mine or real. I actually grew up here in Shippensburg. Anyone know where Shippensburg is? elementary and middle school. I grew up in Shippensburg until we moved to Florida when I was a teenager. And so anyway, I started to learn, oh my goodness, and, and to make this relationship, you don't get to heaven on your parents' coattails, right? It's a personal relationship. And if there's anyone here that doesn't know the Lord, you're in a great place to learn about him and just surrender your life to God because I promise you there's really nothing more exciting. 
and terrifying, which can be exciting, than serving the Lord, knowing that you have peace with your maker, right? So, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but you gave me a microphone. <laughs> so, here's, here's the deal. Let me share. Um, first of all, Sydney was talking about having a wife that's like right there, hearing from the Lord. Absolutely. I have one of those too. Thank the Lord. And so my wife, Carissia, um, she grew up in the Bronx. Be careful around her. She'll cut you. So don't take her off, right? So, and I grew up in Shippensburg. We did an aerial view of that on Google Earth with my son. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But God, right? So we've been through a lot, all these different things. And the Lord has really stressed us the last few years in giving and missions and faith and all these things, right? And we grow. And one of the things that we've been learning is we don't have to, yes, there's that ultimate yes to the plans of God, but I don't have to know all of it and where all of it is. I have to be faithful with the yes that he puts in front of me. The one thing he puts in front of me now, this is what all of us have to do. What is he saying to you right now? What is he saying in this hour? What is he saying to your pastors now? What is he challenging you with? Is it scary? Well, it probably should be. It should be bigger than you. Because if it's not, if you can accomplish it, you're not hearing from the Lord. Right? This is something that's going to stretch your faith. So I want to share a little bit about last year. There's, there's other things, but let me I share this story because I want to highlight the faithfulness of God. Um, I love the song that you guys started with today. I was taking notes. I wasn't texting. So... Um, the, the, the lyrics, I know breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God has made me a promise and it won't stop now. Those words are really powerful. Your worship is a weapon and your words create life or death. The scriptures say it, right? Um, you talk about giving and missions. I have a friend, he's amazing. Every time he sows into them missions or anything, he says, destroy hell, because that's what your money is doing, right? If you're not in Turkey or you're not physically going to these places, guess what? Your dollars, your prayers, but sending the tangible, it's enabling people and it's advancing the kingdom of God. It's destroying hell, breaking things off of people and letting them encounter the Lord too. So... I know breakthrough's coming. I'm believing for that miracle. My God has made me a promise, and it's not going to stop now. So last year um, was a rough year for me. I work primarily as a paramedic firefighter. I, the Lord connected us together through, it was an odd series of events, but started uh, doing executive protection um, for high-profile clients. But the Lord had called me out with a prophetic word in the church and the, the word was basically God's called you and raised you up to serve mighty men of God. And in that training, he's also, in that, he's also training you. He's going to use what you can do practically to enable the work of the Lord to go forward. So I'm like, all right. So, you know, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked, are you in the military? I would be a very wealthy person. And um, I'm like, no, I'm not. But that would make sense naturally, right? So I, didn't, I don't have any of that background, but I'm a paramedic firefighter. I've been in EMS for 19 years. And people kind of like to have, as I'm finding, that emergency field medical around. Plus, I'm big. And I used to do uh, 
I used to fight, not professionally or anything like that, but more for sport. And so that was fun having a, a Krav Maga and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background. That was, that was fun. So I'm like, what, Lord, what can I do practically? And it ne- never had occurred to me, well, I can use this to help enable men of God to do what they're called to do. And the giftings that God had placed in me and the calling that God's had upon my life and my family's life, now he's sharpening, he's defining, he's putting an edge on it. So that's what we've been doing in the last eight years. We've been saying yes to the Lord. I had no grid for that. I had no desire for that. But we've been yielding to it. And it was really interesting because one of the missionaries, I told you my, my family was from Zimbabwe, Africa. One of the missionaries that went through there um, in 1978 ministered. And my grandmother and my father were so deeply impacted, it radically changed their lives forever. And somehow in the grand scheme of things, 39 years later, I'm standing next to the man that brought that to my family. And the way God brought it all in full circle was absolutely incredible. This person had seen over 80 million people come to Christ in their ministry in 40 years. And so what God can do with someone that's yielded, listen, I'm not extra special. I'm not extra or ex special forces or any of that. There's plenty of people far more qualified But when God gives you a vision, when you chase it, he'll give you the means to become excellent in what you do. And so God has connected me with people that help train me. And we do things in a very practical way that's super fun. Going to that training was like going to James Bond camp for two weeks. I was like, this is amazing, right? Everyone wants to do that. So anyway, I had several injuries over the last few years. That, like most men, we try to ignore or push through. It just, I, I don't know. Strong back, weak mind, I don't know. We just ignore it. So um, I had to have three surgeries last year, both elbows uh, surgically repaired and things like that, and then also the right foot and ankle. And so four days after my right foot and ankle, um, I got up to use the restroom. I came back on my little scooter, scooted back to my bed, and I couldn't catch my breath. I'm like, man, I'm having chest pain. What is going on? My wife comes in. She's like, oh, my goodness, you're turning blue. I'm like, nah, it's nothing. I'll just walk it off. It's, it, we're good, right, like most men. And so, no, I was really, really turning blue and can't breathe and having major problems. Now, it's during COVID. I already had COVID twice, actually. Um, I got through it each time. And... So I'm like, well, call the fire department. So my own station, my own crew responded to my home, checked me out. And they're like, Tim, you got to go to the hospital. I'm like, why not? Let's go. I'm like, I've already reached my maximum out of pocket. I'm like, let's do it. Right? <laughs> so, and i um, still having a hard time breathing, but it's getting a little bit better with oxygen. Okay. And so at 36 years old last year, yeah. 36 years old, my son being eight years old at the time, uh, a doctor walks in because I'm still not getting better and looks at me with his eyes this big, huge. He's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have the worst pulmonary embolisms that we've ever seen. Massive clots, basically. And it's called a saddle clot. It's where the main pulmonary artery that takes the blood from the right side of your heart that feeds it to the lungs to get reoxygenated. Well, it sits, the main clot sat, and it's called a saddle because it goes into both sides where it bifurcates. 
He said, we only see this post-autopsy. I've never seen someone walk in, let alone conscious, alert. I don't understand how you're alive right now, but you are. But son, if the cath team doesn't get here in an hour, you're going to die. So a lot of people go through a lot of things, and I have a, I, I think, a pretty strong faith. But these things will test you in those moments, right? And so it was like a, a bad movie. I watched my wife pull her hands to her face in disbelief. It's slow motion. I'm sitting here thinking about my friend that just died of pulmonary embolisms two weeks before from COVID. And I'm like, this can't be happening. And this thing rose up inside of me, which was the spirit of God. I was medicated and everything because there's a lot of pain from my foot. And there was a lot of nerve issues happening. And all I remember saying, it surprised me, it came out of me. I looked at him with clarity of mind. I said, doctor, thank you. I understand what you're saying. Thank you for trying to help me but you need to know one thing. And it totally surprised me. I'm like, what am I, what am I gonna tell him? I have something to tell him. Okay, and so out of my mouth, profess, and this is guys, this is why the word of God is so important. You have to hide the word of God in your heart. You have to have a strong foundation to stand on. When the waves and tempests of this world come against you, on Christ the solid rock I stand. I'm believing for a breakthrough. I'm believing for that miracle. And guess what? This was my confession. Doc, you need to know one thing. What's that, son? My life is in the hands of God. I'm like, ooh, that sounds good. I will live and not die. Even better. And I'm leaving this place better than when I came in here. And he looked at me, teared up, and grabbed my hand and said, son, I'm believing too. Hold on. So a lot of things happened very quickly, as you can imagine. The cath team showed up. They did an echocardiogram of my heart. They stopped it because they screamed, oh my goodness, take him now. He's in massive heart failure. I was in heart failure. It's 80% right side of heart failure. Still conscious, still talking, still professing. And called a couple people. Um, sometimes things will hit you like fear, Right? And I didn't know any fear. I, I didn't. Um, until I thought about my son, who was eight years old. And this, all I could, I saw him on the sofa. And I knew that I knew that God, this isn't what you've promised me. I have faith for a miracle right now. I know what you've spoken over my life. I may not know how all of it goes, but I know what you've promised me in the secret place, in the prophetic words over my life, over what my, my wife and I know that we've heard from the Lord and the direction, what he's called me to. This will not stop me. But let me tell you, it's a very frustrating thing when you cannot do anything about it. When you have no control over it, we want to fix stuff, right? We want to do it. But there came a part to where what was so frustrating is I can't do anything about this. Either my life is in the hands of God or it's not. So I'm on this table and they're getting ready to start the cardiac cath. And I tell them I want to talk to my son. And they're like, no, you'll be okay. It's, oh, I asked the cardiologist, what are my chances? So next doctor. And I told him, shoot straight with me. I've been doing this for 19 years. I've been putting people on your table. He said, okay, 25% chance you die right now. If you don't do that on the table, much greater chance you're going to stroke out. 
Okay, is that all? Okay. Uh, <laughs> if that doesn't happen, you will have permanent heart and lung damage because we already see the effects right now. You can show me the infarct, all the necrotic tissue, all this stuff based on I was having a massive heart attack at the same time as all of this. Oh, okay. That's kind of sobering. So I start telling him, I want to talk to my son. No, you you know, the text, you'll be okay. You'll talk to him afterwards. I'm like, stop messing around with me. I want to talk to my son. I didn't tell him goodbye. They're blinking back tears. You'll talk to him later. And I'm getting mad because now I can think about my son. Let me tell you, God, he thinks about you with tenacity and fervor. And he did something about it. And he sent his son for you. You were on his mind on the cross. So then, as is normal for my cheeky self, as my mother would be proud, I'm using British South African terms. Um, I said, somebody bring me my phone or I'm going to get it. No, 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 please sit there. So I start to get off the table. Please stop. And I tell him, you're going to need at least three times more people than the five of you in here. Because I'm going to talk to my son. You have no idea what I've been trained for. And I'm like... That's got to be, I shouldn't have said that. Okay. So they were not going to let me talk to my son. Please lie down. If you don't, you're going to break these clots off. You're going, you're going to die. So I started crying. I just did. I was frustrated. But it was, you know, the Lord bottles your tears. You know, the Lord, it, newsflash, you can be manly and cry. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Right? And so that's not like my, my motto in life. I don't walk around like <laughs> weeping, right? But hey, it's in there. So I start yelling. I said, is anyone in here a Christian? Is any, because now fear hit me. First time. Now I, I literally felt fear come over me. And I was like, I was terrified, to be honest with you. Because I know I have two options. Option A is glory. Option B is glory, but not as glory, right? <laughs> um, but in what condition will I be? And so I start screaming, is anyone here born again Christian? And after three or four times, this woman says, I am. And it was amazing. It was, I loved it because this is what she goes. She said, I am, honey, and I love the way you've been confessing what do you need? And so I said, I need you to pray me through this because it's not my time. And I'm not done serving the Lord and God does not want this for my family. This isn't what he's promised. So that woman held my hand the entire time and prayed over me the entire time. It was phenomenal. Let me tell you, when you have peace with God, there's nothing like it. And so I realized that there was fear. And I said, Lord, I refuse to let fear be the thing that dictates me on my deathbed or supposed deathbed. This is going to be my victory bed. And so I said, I'm already crying anyway. May as well go all the way. I said, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I lifted my hands. I said, Lord, I worship you. And I'm terrified. I said, I trust you with my son. I gave him to you a long time ago. He's yours and you're a good dad. And I trust you with my wife. She's so precious and dear to me. But I give her back to you. And then I said, Lord, I trust you with my life. And let me tell you, 
I know the difference between fentanyl and morphine and all of the fun drugs through multiple surgeries. But something hit me so strong, the peace of God that surpasses understanding. I went from weeping with my hands lifted, I must have freaked everyone out, to hysterically laughing instantly. (laughs) Because I felt the presence of God hit me, boom, like that. My wife is praying, you, you don't have time to like text the world and call everyone I love and hey please maybe pray I had split seconds and sometimes you don't have that you don't even need that to be honest I I called two or three people my wife did the same I said call people that will go to war for you for me right now call people go to war right now that know their authority that know how to move heaven that know how to walk in that that's what we did um, but let me tell you, if you don't have the time for that, the Holy Ghost is right there with you. He'll be your two. You got to confess the word of God. What does the word of God say about you? That's what you have to confess. Your confession must be, this must be your confession, right? It's not making it up. It's not nice words on a screen. This is real life. And so the peace of God hit me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet instantly like a heavy weighted blanket and heat everywhere. I know the difference, again, between all the fun narcotics. This was the peace of God that surpassed understanding. And I start laughing, and everyone's looking at me. And I looked at him, and she said, what's going on? I said, I'm going to live. I'll see you in a little bit. And then I woke up later in the critical cardiac care unit. So there's a lot to the story, but let me tell you something. I have no heart damage today. I have no lung damage today. Um, Some people think I'm brain damaged with some of the decisions I make. But I keep having all these doctors tell me there's nothing wrong with you. We can't find anything wrong with you. We don't understand it. The woman that did my echocardiogram, she came back in 36 hours later and screamed when she saw me and ran out of the room crying. And I'm like, what's wrong with that lady? Like, and my wife's so nice. That's the lady that was helping you first. That helped me the whole time. God put people in her path the entire time. Um, The man that was the nurse, the critical cardiac care nurse upstairs, guess what? He was a missionary, a traveling missionary. He and his wife that was also a nurse that took a traveling position just for a bit. But he's going on missions trips all around the world. His name was Jeff. His favorite worship band was Maverick City Worship Band, which I like a lot of their music too. And that man would pray over me and that man would minister as well as being excellent in his field. So God would place people every step of the way. I had no idea. You know, the Lord says, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil for I'm with you. Right? And so all of these scriptures, all of these things that I'd heard, that's on the inside, the things I've hidden over my lifetime to start just to surface. And even when I didn't know, it would cultivate and cultivate. That's why it's so important to hide the word of God. That's why it's so important that you deliver fresh manna, the word of God, to feed the sheep, to feed the people. Because this is true. This is real life. It may look differently for your situation or your story. And my story by far is not as horrific as most people go through in families and loss and devastation and things like that. I remember laying in the bed, and I was very medicated, but I was also in a tremendous amount of pain from various surgeries and, again, nerve problems I was having at the time. 
and I would sit up screaming ridiculous things from some of the drugs, but screaming in pain. And there was only certain visiting hours, and COVID had wrecked a lot of that, so it was kind of difficult being separated for a bit. And I would remember, I still remember this man, it was the Lord, that was standing behind, sit up screaming, and I'd feel a hand on my shoulder, and I'd hear him say, peace. And I would relax and sleep. So I started unpacking that when I got home, because there's something I've been praying for longer than we've been together um, a dream, these words that I'd see, literally heard myself saying one time in a dream that the Lord, it was, it was really like an interactive dream, like the Lord walking me through. And um, it was a, an incident in where someone had died. And the Lord asked me, what are you going to do about it? And it was a massive car accident, a massive wreck. And there was destruction and chaos. And it was a really crazy scene. And there was this mangled woman in the back seat of a car that had been thrown. It was horrible. And the Lord said, what are you going to do about it? And in my dream, I looked through this window and her legs are sticking out the window, broken and crushed. Out of me, I scream, sleeping. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. Nothing broken. Complete wholeness. And this body, the power of God hit it. Everything mended together. Life came in this person, and I pulled him out of this vehicle. And then the Lord said, now go do the same. Oh, okay. So I'm still unpacking that. So I get home from the hospital. As you can imagine, there's a lot of stuff that goes with this. I've seen more doctors than I ever want to see again in my lifetime, to be honest with you. Because no one can figure out why and how and, oh, my goodness, and seeing the orthopedic. and So crazy stuff. I'm not going to take your whole evening, so I'll wrap it up. Um, But when I was sitting there with the Lord, just, Lord, you're so faithful. I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know how it's going to work. But God will provide for you. I didn't work for 11 months last year. Actually, I went back to work on the first day of the 11th month, so 10 complete months. We never missed a mortgage payment. I definitely never missed a meal. We did really good. It's okay to laugh. I love to cut up, okay? <laughs> God took care of us. A couple of days before Christmas, I'm sitting there on the front porch, not spending time with the Lord to somehow convince him to throw some more money away or something because we're really needy. And if I give enough time, maybe it's like the slot machine, you know, I'll get something from the Lord. No, it's twisted. It's wrong. God cares for you. He cares for the birds of the field and the flowers of the field. How much more will he clothe you? How much more will he take care of you? How much more will he store up for you? And so just talking with the Lord and he's, I hear the word peace and then I hear shalom. I'm like, oh yeah. And I hear the Lord say, study that. You guys ever studied that? You want to know what it means other than just like shalom, peace? When you start unpacking it in the Hebrew, I started going to Hebrew scholars on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. And all these different people are reputable and looking at it and studying the individual letters and everything. It means nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, complete wholeness. And so the Lord was speaking that over me, even in a very difficult situation. And God is speaking the same thing over you in your situation. 
It doesn't matter what you're facing, what illness you've been facing, what things plagued your family, what economic situation you're in. This applies everywhere. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, complete wholeness. The Lord cares for you. You're his. You're the apple of his eye. You're the center of his attention and his affection. He cares for you. He cares for you. I stand here today, literally a testament to what God can do. People literally all around the world were praying for me. Your pastor was one of them. I still have the voicemail. He called me from Turkey. You will live and not die in Jesus' name. I speak the life of God over you. Praying, it meant more than you'll ever know. And so I just want to encourage you that, listen, I'm not all that in a bag of chips. I'm just a very real, even, flawed person saved by the grace and the mercy of God. And if he'll do something like that in my life, he'll do it in your life. Whatever you need is available. You have the Holy Spirit. You don't, kids, you don't have the junior Holy Spirit, by the way. You've got the same Holy Spirit that all of us have. And God will instill those gifts in you. And you can still learn to hear from the Lord at a young age and be used to rock your schools, your communities, your sports teams. And it doesn't have to be weird. You just yield to the Lord. Sometimes it's questions. Sometimes it is weird and bold. And God says to do something and you're like, oh, I hope I heard from you on that one. Right? But this is a safe place to learn that. So hope you're encouraged by our story from this last year. But God saved my life by the grace of God in the hands of skilled physicians that he used. I'm still here today. And we're purposed, you know, to make our lives really count. Okay. So can I pray for you guys? Lord, I pray for this church. I pray, Lord, that you would touch every single person here, whatever their need is. Lord, I thank you that nothing is too difficult for you. And that there's more than enough provision in abundance more than enough provision for the vision that you have for them. Lord, I speak the same thing you spoke over me, peace into their life. I pray, God, that there'd be nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, that there'd be complete wholeness in every area of their life, that you would give them clarity and purpose, Lord, in the days ahead. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Just hang on to that for a minute. So I want to tie a piece of this together, that, um, that word. Do you have that word that the Lord gave you for us? Um, so <clears throat> he was praying about us, and the Lord gave him a word for us. This was several days before he showed me that the airplane that we now own, that Church of the Word now owns. And, um, but he didn't tell me that this word, or he didn't give it to me or anything, until the day I had my sermon prepared and I had decided that day I was going to share with you guys about the airplane and what we're doing. And I was doing my finishing touches on my notes and he calls me and, and he's telling me what the Lord um, told him. And of course I'm just blown away because I know what it, at least some of what, what it's in relation to in regards to the Lord's heart, what he wants us to do in involving this airplane. And so I came and I, I read that to you guys tonight, and, um, but I want to, I'd just I'd like to have you give it, because the Lord's the one that gave it to, to you. Sure. Sometimes I'm like, uh, I don't even know what this is for. Hello. Like, and what's going on? 
you don't have to know. And sometimes you don't have to share it right away. The Lord will say, save it. When the right time is the right time. And so I was sitting on my front porch, my wife and my son and my dog, enjoying our front porch and the less humidity we had that day. Florida is a very humid place. So if you're going to come to Disney, do it in the winter. It's wonderful. The rest of the year, no, short window of nice. But anyway, um, so this is something I'd written in a worship service at our church, actually on August 24th at 7.54 p.m. And August 29th is when I came across that airplane. So that was the 24th. Okay. So it said, but I didn't tell you till no. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So what I had written was, it's time for the, and then I have next nice PA sermon. I'm like, like I'm going to preach. Okay, whatever. I don't know. I have no idea, but let me just write it down. And so here's, here's exactly as I wrote it. It's time now, as Abram tried to produce 13 years prior, and it wasn't the plan or the time. He took Hagar, by the way, tried to produce something. Okay, and it wasn't exactly God's right plan. Okay, so as Abram tried to produce 13 years prior, and it wasn't the plan or the time, he thought the dreams, those dreams that he had, the dreams, the promises God had given him had died and God was done with him, or that he'd messed up too much. But in his perfect time, God made covenant again with him and placed him into the middle of his destiny, the beginning of his promise to be a father to many nations. When you're in covenant and right standing with God, the time is now. The key is yieldedness. And so I just felt it was something to share with your pastor about the time and yieldedness to the plans of God. And so the rest, I guess, is current history. Yeah, amen. <laughs> current history. Here, I'll take that for you. Thank you, Tim. <clears throat> I told you that, that night, just talking more about airplanes and, and the hand of the Lord in it. I told you that night, and I'll add it to part of the story here now too, that I went to Apostle Dale and I told him what I believe the Lord told me and, and showed it to him, you know, and told him, look, <clears throat> do you have any red flags? Do you have anything in your spirit that I need to know about? And he's like, no, man, I got nothing but green lights. This is awesome. And then he tells me something that he probably told me before and I'd just forgotten because it didn't mean that much to me because I wasn't a pilot. And he says to me, he says, you know, when we lived in Titusville, we lived across the street from an airport and that I wanted to get my pilot's license. And from time to time, they'd have these great sales on getting your license and, you know, free ground school and things like that. And, and several times he tried and the Lord just wouldn't let him. And then this one time there was this free ground school. So he goes and he prays and he said that the Lord told him, no straight up know that I have a man for you. And um, so he tells me that story when I, when I came to him about this. And so then we sat there and both laughed because we now knew more of the story. Not all of it, but another piece of it. Hallelujah. Brother Larry Hostetter a word when he was praying and interceding and I want to read it to you because I believe it's appropriate for 
everything we talked about tonight and where we're going and what the Lord has to do with us and through us. You know, the word of the Lord is not, doesn't have an expiration date on it. Now, how many of you believe John 3, 16? That God so loved the world that he gave his only, his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Well, it wouldn't make a difference if we knew that he said that on June 19th of A.D. 30, at 2.30 in the afternoon. It wouldn't make any difference to us, would it? So sometimes we, when the Lord gives us a word, us as a house, maybe you're tempted to think, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later that that's an old word. But you know, the word of the Lord is alive. And it's still working. And many times with prophecy, when he gives prophecy or it's something prophetic, it's cyclical. I mean, it, it comes, it, it applies to multiple time frames, not just the current. And then the amazing thing, this is one of the things that amazes me the most about the Lord is how time just is like, he's unmoved by it. You know, he says, I'll do something. And 700 years later, he's faithful to fulfill a promise that he said he would do. So I want to read to you a word of the Lord. And I want you to receive it as fresh tonight. As real and alive tonight. Be ready, my children, for the outpouring is very near. There is much to be accomplished. There are many souls to come into the kingdom. My church shall be changed in supernatural ways. The outpouring will be radical and fear shall come upon the people. It's a godly fear that will come upon the church. Time of deep repentance and sorrow for sin. People will be touched in radical ways as the church rises up in the likeness of Jesus Christ. The, world, the worldly will shake in fear because they will realize the reality of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for them. God will move. In miraculous ways, touching and changing and healing. The enemy shall run in fear as the church takes authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Manifestations of angels working in unity with the Holy Spirit and the Father. The fear of Jesus Christ will make the enemy run and flee. For my word shall be fulfilled as I claim those who belong to me. Because the reality of the Holy Spirit shall move to touch and set free and change people in supernatural ways. Now listen to this. Total freedom. Total freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit. For my word will be fulfilled. And my church will be the church I have called it and desired it to be. Make yourselves ready. I say again. Make yourselves ready for times of prayer and fasting. And laying down of your lives for the work of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's not about you. It's about me and you. Praise the name of Jesus and amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness because you're faithful to all generations. Father, thank you that you watch over the things that you've said to accomplish and bring to fulfillment those things. And I believe you, Lord. I believe that what you said is so. And I lay my faith to it. Thank you for it. 
here we are. We are ready and we are yours in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Two more things before you go. Um, as you know, I, I said we would do this all the way up until the end of the year. There is an, uh, a basket on the table in the back lobby, an alms basket. And if you have financial need in your life, help yourself to the money that's in that basket. Take what you need. If you have extra and you would like to uh, help someone else, you can put it into the basket and it'll be there for those that have a need in their life. And then this is not alms, this next one. You know, I just saw Paul go out. So if uh, Aiden, if you could, if you could take this message to Paul, have him bring a basket in and set it on that chair there beside you by the door. And um, if anyone would like to bless the Ratcliffe family, Tim, for coming and training our people in the ways of medicine, um, you can do that by putting a blessing in that basket for them. So, one final thing. I know, we've got a whole bunch of final things. It's like an airplane that just doesn't land. Would you like to bless somebody tonight? To encourage someone? So look to your left. If there's no one to your left, then look to your other left. <laughs> and um, what is the greatness of God that you see in that person? Take a moment and reflect on it. And if in your natural mind you can't come up with something, the Lord will put something in your mind for you. What is the greatness of God? What's the image of God that you see in them? Now, you don't have to tell them, but I'm betting it would encourage them if you did. So one way that we love God in this house is we love on each other. So be blessed as you go. There's a time of fellowship downstairs for all of you. Church of the Word International tonight. This is a happening place. The hand of God is in this place. Hallelujah. Wow, I'm so excited about the provision, the protection, the deliverance, the mercy, the favor, the loving kindness that our Father has for us each and every day. Glory to God. Don't get me started. <laughs> Amen. All right, I'm going to give you the word of God tonight. and It's Psalms 95. Listen, there's only two responses that we have when testing or trials come our way. Two. You're either going to allow these trials and testings to soften your heart toward God and see his provision, see his protection, see his deliverance, see his favor. Or you're going to harden your heart toward God and blame him and get critical and judgmental and mad at people. In Psalms 95, David gives us both perspectives. Such a great psalm. 
he starts off with, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully unto the rock of our salvation. Do you ever just do that spontaneous? It's so much fun. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms and, and singing. For the Lord is a great God and the great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. He is the great creator. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people or the sheep of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, everybody say today. Because the only day you have. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as in the day of rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation. And I said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts. See, that's what the Lord is after, is your heart. And they did not know my way, so I swore in my wrath they would not enter my rest. Well, as we ponder on this psalm, we have a choice. Every day we have a choice. I, I think it's a great idea to choose what David did. He chose to sing and to shout joyfully and to come with great thanksgiving before the Lord, to worship him, to bow down before him, to, to kneel before him. And tonight we have an opportunity, no matter what you're going through, what you're facing, you can soften your heart toward God, who is your provision, your protector, your deliverer, your everything. Or you can harden your heart. It, the choice is yours. But David says, whatever you do when times are good, it's easier to do when times are tougher because it's your default. It's what you've practiced. It's what you've done. So let's all stand up together as family tonight. Let's praise God who's been so faithful in our lives, more faithful than we even know. Amen. Let's praise and thank him tonight with grateful hearts. to every problem we have. You are our provision in every moment of our life. Our eyes are ever on you, the author and finisher of our faith. 
Jesus, we acknowledge your presence here with us tonight. We welcome you. We celebrate you. We lift you up and magnify you. We thank you for the blood that you shed for each and every one of us, that our spirits could be recreated and filled with the life of God, that our sins could be forgiven, that we could walk in the truth, the truth of your living word, the rhema word of God, the living word, Jesus Christ. Father, we are so grateful. We're grateful kids tonight in the family of God. Everything you've done for us, we are just simply bountifully grateful. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, have your way tonight. You are so celebrated, so desired and wanted to be here. We ask that you just move among all of us. Touch us right where we're at, physically, emotionally, every way. Father, we're just looking unto you. We are your children, and we're sponges to receive what you have for us tonight. This is not coincidental that we're all here together, knitted by our hearts together. There's a corporate anointing here tonight. Do you feel it? You brought it, and corporately we are here, and there's a stronger presence in that. So expect Jesus to move in your life tonight. Expect to hear something from the Word of God that will change your life forever. Get your expectancy out to receive healing tonight. Don't leave here the same way you came. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you're expecting a miracle. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you all tonight. And it's especially good. We have our friends, the Ratcliffe family from Florida with us here tonight. Can we give them a hand clap? Tim is here. He's doing the medical training that's taking place this weekend. So we're so honored to have you guys with us tonight. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe. So if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one. And if you're giving by credit card, we do appreciate when you fill out all of the blanks. How many know that the Lord is a blessing God? He's the source of blessing and he's a God of provision. You know, Karen, you read in Psalms 95, was it? How... They tested, the children of Israel tested the Lord, and, and it angered him. And as I was in worship, I was, the Lord just kind of, thing kind of went off on the inside. I'm like, so, you know, there's two things that we need to overcome if we want to walk in the fullness, in the full prosperity of God. One is selfishness, which I'm going to read some scriptures to you um, in Luke chapter 12, but, and the other is a lack of trust. And if you look at that example, it says how they tested him in, at the waters of Meribah or something like that. And that was where they came up against it. They were facing lack in their life, lack of provision. And they said, I don't know, can God do it? We don't think God can. Is he going to provide? That angered the Lord. Acting like he's not big enough. Acting like he's not able. Acting like he's not trustworthy. Like he's not capable of taking care of his children. That angered him. Said it tested him. So if we're going to walk in his prosperity, 
And in the full blessing of what he has for us, we have to overcome this lack of, can God do it? I don't know if he can get it here in time thing. So in, um, just in encouraging you in your, in your finances. So in Luke chapter 12, Jesus starts telling this parable. And he says, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And you know, I had this thought, when you come into abundance or an increase, when something's going right for you, you give God the credit. That should be your first response. Lord, this came from you. And you return the tithe. Because when you return the tithe, you're recognizing that the source of this blessing, the source of this provision is him. It came from him. So it yielded an abundant harvest. And, you know, like I read last week in Psalms, it says that the Lord's the one that waters the ground and, it, and helps it or causes it to produce food for, for animals and people. But this man, he thought to himself, and I want you to listen what he says. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There, I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. It's a lot of eyes, a lot of my, a lot of this way. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So notice how he's taking the credit. He's not looking to God as, Lord, you, I'm so grateful. You caused my ground to produce, and, and I'm just so grateful for you being so kind and good to me. And, Lord, what do you want me to do with this surplus? No, no, don't take the idea that, that we shouldn't save or we shouldn't set aside, but it's at the Lord's direction. What's missing here is him saying, Lord, what shall I do with this? His mindset is completely self-centered. All those I, I, I's, he's thinking about all of that used for him, not outward at all. You know, um, this verse 19 here is your average American's goal for the American dream. That's the average American. Say, I'm not average. I'm not average. I'm godly. And I pursue the kingdom of God first. And, and you know, the average American, um, that's their goal. For it, The American dream really is not a bad thing. It's a, it is, I wrote it down here. It says, it is the ideal by which equality of opportunity to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. In other words, equal opportunity for prosperity and success. Just the freedom to be able to, hey, go for it. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, but often the goal of that dream is self-serving. You know, let's, let's have, you know, save it all up, my four, me and my four, we're all provided for, everything's good, eh, we'll see if we have extra, you know, that kind of thing. And that's not us. That's the mark, the difference between the world, that's how they operate, and us is we pursue the kingdom of God first. But see, that takes overcoming selfishness. And it takes overcoming this lack of trust, believing that if I lay down my plans, if I lay down um, my needs and my what I w- want and all of that, that it's going to be good. I got to believe that God is good. 
And if you keep reading in, in uh, Luke here, he brings that out, how he is a good provider, and that he wants to bless you. Just seek his, seek his plan first. You know, the realm of the kingdom, the, I heard it said this way, you know, like the U.S. is a kingdom of sorts, right? So it's a realm, and this realm was started by men with a vision, men with a plan. If you want to be part of this realm, you need to come in under the vision. You need to come in under that plan, right? If you're going to be in this realm, well, in the kingdom of God, in the realm of God, we are to seek his vision, his plan, and specifically seek first his plan for you. Does that make sense? Seeking first the kingdom of God, well, I might be doing something that's, you know, for the kingdom, but is it, is it? God, was that what you want me to do for me? Is that, am I trying to do Karen's peace instead of my peace? So seek first the plan of God for you, and all these things are going to be added unto you. And he's faithful. He knows that there's not one obstacle, not one need, that he isn't big enough to provide for. Amen? All right. So let's take a hold of our tithes and let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to you tonight that we can trust you, that you are more than able and more than willing to pour out every good thing on us. Lord, just show us how we can honor you more. Show us how we can walk in wisdom to a greater degree with the resources and the things that you bring our way when we come into plenty or extra, Lord, that help us to have the heart that turns to you and says, Lord, what should we do with this? And that we would be sensitive to hear what you have to say. So I call these tithers blessed and provided for in the name of Jesus and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, youth and young adults, tomorrow here at the church at 6. A couple of other things I wanted to say that are not, actually I'll I'll mention one here that is in the bulletin. CityGate is going to be on November 13th this month. And there is a sign-up sheet in the back, so that is in the bulletin. But I have two other announcements that are not in the bulletin. So many of you know that Damon Anderson um, recently had kidney surgery, and so he's been laid up at home, and his wife, Gina, she works full-time, so it would be really helpful for them if, if you could take them a meal, bless them in some way with some food that would really help them through this, this time, and you know, that's kind of a, an obstacle, a mountain, kind of when you come through something like major surgery like that. So let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. If you uh, would like to take Damon a meal, you can talk to me or on our CWI Facebook hospitality page. I've also put some information. So check that out. The election is coming up very quickly. It will soon be upon us. And I've put some papers in the back. They are sign-up sheets for the polls in Lancaster City. Now, anybody can serve at, it doesn't, you don't have to live in the city to serve at the polls. But I was told at Free PA this past week that in 12 years, they have not had a, a Republican at the polls in Lancaster City. That they bus in workers from Baltimore, Democrats, to uh, be at the polls. And so there's a lady, uh, Ann Rivers, who's running for state representative, was there, and, and she was trying to get people to help 
and show up at the polls. And there's um, three slots here. They're an hour and a half long, uh, one in the morning, 7 to 9.30. There's one at lunch, 11.30 to 1. And then in the evening is two hours, 5 to 7. And that's really the high voting times. And I just wanted to make that available. If anybody feels like they would like to go out and um, be a friendly Republican face in the city, that would be much appreciated. You can sign up in the back for that. I think poll watching. I'm not sure. That's a great question. <laughs> Greeting people and just watching for shenanigans. I think you would get, if you're at all interested, there is, um, her email address is on the bottom of this paper, and you can just reach out to her and ask some questions if you have. I don't know that, you're not going to be slaving away lifting boxes and all kinds of hard stuff, just showing up and encouraging people to vote for the right. Righteousness. Yeah, for righteousness. So tonight we are going to, uh, it's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> Say, oh joy, we've been having weeks of different. Um, I should stop saying that because we, we begin to know that every week is going to be different, so hallelujah. Um, what, what I want to do is take some time, because we're going to take the missions offering here in a little bit and uh, receive that, and so I'm going to talk about a number of di different things related to that. So I would like to talk just a little bit about what we've been doing today and what we're going to do tomorrow. You know, here at Church of the Word International, we take very seriously your spiritual health. We take your physical health also um, very seriously and, and protecting you. You know, earlier this year, we spent uh, a bunch of money sending anyone from our safety team that wanted to go down to Florida for a week of training. And, uh, and brought, we, we paid for all of it, sent them down, had them trained by uh, Pastor Kurt Owen and some people that he had helping him, and um, brought them back home. And so we benefit from those kinds of things. And uh, while, you know, we don't, you don't always see our safety teams up front and central, right? They are serving every week and they're doing it for you. You know, they're not doing it because, well, there's, they're not paid. They're not paid to serve. They're just constantly serving and serving you guys and doing that. So what I had decided to do was we wanted to, for some time now, do a medical training, do a CPR training for our team as well as ushers and anyone else that wanted to join into that. And then um, tomorrow we'll be doing a medical trauma uh, course that we'll be learning. So um, I'll talk, Tim, just lift your hand up real high so everyone can see. Um, the guy with the good haircut over here. So he's the one instructing the class, and I'll introduce him later, and we'll talk about him. Hey, you know, while I think of it, um, let's, let's take a moment and let's lift up a couple people in prayer. Let's pray for Damon. He's recovering from surgery. And let's pray for Josh Schumann. He has been uh, being healed from sickness. And um, we are, and then let's also remember Apostle Dale over in Ukraine and that the Lord would continue to have him at the right place at the right time, every bill paid, 
all those things, right? All right, let's pray. Father, we just come to you right now, and we lift up Damon to you, and I thank you, Lord, that you would touch his body right now. I know there's no distance in the Spirit, so Damon, we call you healed and recovered in the name of Jesus. Your kidneys, the surgery, the incisions, everything, heal properly and perfectly, and every organ in your body function correctly in the name of Jesus. I thank you for this, Father. I thank you that you strengthen him, that you give him understanding and revelation during this time, and that he would rise up full of your strength in every way. I also lift Josh up to you, and I thank you that you would touch him right now with your anointing and a strengthening happening from the inside out. In sickness, we command you right now to be gone, be removed from his body, from that household, and we give you peace, health, and life and strength in the name of Jesus. And anyone else here that is uh, listening either by internet or if you have loved ones here, we call them healed and delivered from sickness. No sickness is permitted. This is a sickness-free zone. Father, I thank you that you have uh, established this house by the work of Apostle Dale and that you put it into his heart, that you ask him to start this work. And so every day, Lord, we benefit from the effort that he put forth here. And I ask you to bless him, bless Terry for the work, the time they had here. Lord, as he is um, serving you in Ukraine, that you would keep your protecting hand over him, that you provide every need for him according to your promises, and that you would lead him, direct him, guide him by your spirit. I thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. All right, talking about missions, we have, um, if you, you notice the flags on the wall, if you're newer here with, oh, one more person, I want to pray for Gene. It's good you're sitting on the center aisle. And I see, uh, I see Kat back here. Um, Gene went down to Florida to uh, be with his mother. His mother is ready to make the transition to heaven. And um, so he went down to spend time with family and um, be there during that time. So, so let's pray for them. Father, I lift up Gene to you and his family, his family members on all sides, Lord. I ask you to comfort them by your spirit, to be near them, to be di- uh, just to wrap them in your arms in a way that is tangible and real to them and that you would comfort their hearts and that as she makes the transition to come and be with you, Lord, that it would be a thing that would be beautiful and point towards you and that people would recognize your hand in it. I thank you for it. Father, thank you too for meeting their needs financially and that every bill would be paid in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So those of you that consider yourselves um, regular financial supporters to the Mirabellas, stand up, please. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say in proxy on their behalf, um, they're very, very grateful for what you guys are doing and sowing into their ministry and their work. And they, um, you know, the Lord just keeps expanding what they're doing over there. And it it went from looking like it's a big vision. You may be seated. It went from looking like it was a big vision 
too, like, huge, too gigantic, right? But we know that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills, right? So these things are not difficult for him. And you and I get to be a part of work that is going on on the other side of the planet in Iraq, in Syria, even though we're not there physically, we've sent representatives there in the forms of dollar bills, right? And so we get to have a part of that work. Um, they, when they were with me last, they left me several coffee cups and um, several rugs that are from Syria, little um, like coffee tabletop th- type things. So I have six items here. And so the first six people to get up here get one of these items. So one, two, three, go. I'm glad I'm not getting overrun. You get your pick. Everyone just prefers everyone else. We do have one of these. You can have that one. That one, you can put your name on it. The one I have at the house. Okay, one more. Amen all right here. What am I bid? We could start a fundraiser right here. Okay, Monica, come get it. I told them that I would make sure that um, people that have been investing in them would get those, but the trouble is, is I don't keep track of who's doing what, right? And so I thought, well, this would be a good way to do it. You guys can say, hey, I'm, I'm part of that. You know, your support to all the different places that you're, every, every month, at the end of the month, um, for those of you that are new with us, the last weekend of the month, we call it our missions weekend. And we collect missions offering then. Now, if you're not here that weekend, you can put it into any offering basket that comes by. Just make sure you designate what it's for. And 100% of the funds that you designate to any ministry in the world or any individual, whether it be alms or whatever, we'll make sure all of it gets to those people or those ministries. And so on the last weekend of the month, we, we have a special time where, that we've set aside to Take that and uh, present it to the Lord and believe God for continued miracles in, in all around the world. But we know that also that part of our call is not just to the uttermost part, but it's also to our Judea and our Jerusalem, right? Our Samaria, our communities, our, our sphere of influence, our nation, our state, our county, and so forth. And so... Um, we don't ever want to lose sight that we are a worldwide mission church. We start at home though, right? So, so we, everywhere we go, whether that be at your workplace or, or with your family or wherever you are, we're, are, we are the light and the salt of the earth. And not just our money that we send, right? But we as people our light and salt. And so let's look for God moments, God opportunities where we are. And one of the ways I want to encourage you to do that is how many of you here think this is a great church? Like you consider this your church and you consider it a great church. So there's hands up everywhere. How many of you think other believers, other people, people that aren't believers, either way, would benefit from sitting in this house and from the teachings and and the fellowship that happens in this house. So 
with all these hands that are up, what we need to do then is we need to make a concerted effort to invite and bring people and ask them to come to church with us. If we really believe that about this place and that this is a place where people would get fed, people would get healed, people would get delivered, where people would find friends and fellowship, then let's make an effort to ask someone, come with me to church. You know, you can sit with me. You won't be alone and, and invite them with you. And if you bring so many people that you need to sit in a different seat, that's fine too, right? We'll give you a whole aisle or two or three that you can be surrounded by them. And it's, it's easy a lot of times for us to say, well, yeah, I believe that this is the, the house of the Lord and that it's the house of the Lord for me. But if the Lord wants someone to be here, he'll just supernaturally bring them. Well, remember, the way the Lord works in the earth is through you and I. And so we can do the inviting, they can do the deciding, right? Is this the right place for them or is it not? Because this, this house is not the right place for everyone in Lancaster County. There are other houses that the Lord has people planted and wants them to be. We don't want them to come here. We want them to be where they are because that's where they'll be most effective for the kingdom. And it takes many houses like this throughout our nation and our county and our state to be able to accomplish what the Lord has in His heart for this, this nation. And um, so I just encourage you in doing that in keeping our, our uh, mission-minded, our mission heart also here locally. CityGate is an opportunity to serve. You say, well, what's CityGate? CityGate, you can sign up for it on the table in the back, is feeding the, the homeless or people that are less fortunate and ministering the gospel to them. First Sunday of every month. Is that correct? Normally. Yes. And this upcoming one? It's the, 13th. the 13th of November. Yes. All right, wonderful. Great a great opportunity. Now, I had asked a number of you several weeks ago when I ministered on fasting. And um, to, to fast and to pray about a certain number of things in regards to church planning, in regards to revival in our own life and in our church and, and for evangelism to awaken within us and the need for that, for direction on where to plant these churches, on the right connections and the right people to be involved and for the finances to come in because it's going to be an expensive work. But expensive has never put a damper on the Lord. It's never hindered Him. It's never stopped Him. It's just a number to him. And so when the Lord told me several years ago that we're going to need, um, I was praying, he asked me if I was ready for the amount of people that were going to come. And I said, well, I don't know. I'm ready for 10. I'm ready for maybe 50. But would I be ready for 300 or 1,000? No. So how many should we be ready for? And the Lord said to me, you're thinking too small. Seems like he's been telling me a lot that this year as well, and I'll get to that a little bit later. But he said, you're thinking too small. He said, you're going to need houses, buildings, and arenas. And so this being the word of the Lord to me, I, I don't profess to have any idea of how that's going to be accomplished. But if he said it, I believe it. And so when he said houses, buildings, and arenas, I was like, okay, Lord, if you say so. But I've learned that I mean, there's so many things that he has already told me that have happened that to me were like 
so far out there, I don't see how, Lord. I mean, I know you split the Red Sea, but that one would be difficult, right? And then yet it happens. And so I've ceased being surprised and more just expectant when he says something. Now, he didn't give me a timetable, right? But we know um, on May 7th of this year, we had Prophet Bob Hawk here, and he had that word, very strong word, and about church planting and about reaching out. And the Lord spoke to me and gave me some direction on what to do in our, our first two places to pray about. The first one, Richmond, Virginia, and also up in Connecticut. So we've been praying about those locations, and we're going to... I, I believe that earlier in the year, the Lord had told me we should start this fall. And um, by confirmation, so one of you that have been praying about this emailed me and said, I think the Lord, I think it was an email, text, something, and said, I believe the Lord's saying that we should start this fall. So that was a great confirmation for me. I didn't realize exactly what that's going to look like. We're going to step out in church planning this fall. Well, it's fall. How many know, right? We're right in the middle of it. And so... We've, we've been praying about this and, and okay, Lord, we're going to start this fall. I felt one of the things I just kept uh, being prompted that we'll go down there and we'll pray in Richmond. We'll spend some time praying there and getting direction from the Lord on the ground in the, in the atmosphere and realm where he wants us to plant a church and he's going to lead us on the how, when, and where. And so I've been talking with Apostle Dale about how we can do things, and some of you others have been having great ideas. And You know, when the Lord tasked Moses with building the tabernacle, he brought men and women with gifts to be able to build and carve and create and sew. And like, it was amazing. Again, when Solomon built the temple, same way. The Lord anointed people to do things in this building project. Well, in a very similar way, we are building the kingdom of God, and He has anointed people to come and, and to be a part of that in certain ways, in many different ways. It's not just, I am not the church planter. It's us together, right? We're going to do it together. And so, <clears throat> as we've been praying about how that's going to look, and, and all right, Lord, we'll start in the fall, I didn't realize that part of the stepping out on the water was the uh, was the um, impression that I got from the Lord to step out on to and begin doing it or begin the process this fall. I didn't realize that was buying an airplane, right? Because that, that's pushing things way too fast for me. I, I think that could be appropriate in several years from now. And um, so I want to bring you up to speed on where we are, we're at with the airplane, on the whys behind it, and where we're going. So in, uh, as many of you know, and, and the reason I'm going to be detailed and, and belabor this point is because several weeks ago when I asked you to fast, I told you what we were doing. Yet in the past week, I had four people that are foundational in this church that came to me, what, we bought an airplane? Like, where have you been? And, oh, they were gone that service, right? And so I just want to talk about it again and say how we got where we got. So in, uh, before I went in February to go climb Mount Kilimanjaro, the Lord uh, gave me a word standing right here and through Apostle Dale. He gave me a prophecy, and you can go and listen to the sermon uh, and, and hear everything that it was, but he gave me a word of the Lord that going, you know, to climb this mountain, each step was going to be prophetic, 
in the fact of what the Lord wants to do and the anointing and for, he even termed it this way, for the future of my ministry. That things were going to change. That this mountain was the, the line, so to speak, of a change in, in things that were going to begin to happen. And he talked about, I have to, have, I have to think bigger. I have to have a bigger vision. And that the Lord wants to, what He wants to do on the inside of me is to make bigger. And so that, if it's inside of me as the pastor, then that's going to affect all of you as the sheep, right? And so it's not just me. And so I went and I climbed that mountain and had an amazing time with the Lord. And while I was up there, I believe the Lord told me that I needed to get my pilot's license. So, okay, that's, that's great, Lord, pilot license. Okay, so... I guess you have a plan, what for, and all of that, right? And so I come home, and in obedience to the Lord, I go down to Smoketown, I go to Lancaster, I talk to the different flight schools, I call a place in Colorado, I call a place in Oregon, get all the prices together, and figure out, you know, that it's going to cost between 11000 and $16,000. And so, all right, Lord, I did my part, so, uh, so when you provide the funds, I'll go get my pilot's license. And so I wait. You know, wait on the Lord. I'm just being holy and righteous, right? <laughs> well, I didn't realize I was being disobedient and um, because I wasn't getting them yet. And so I went and uh, several, uh, that was in February, fast forward now to uh, the middle to end of April, one of those services. I was, uh, we were in worship here at the church. I'm standing here in the front and they began to sing the song, I Surrender. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I surrender everything that I have and everything that I am to you. Everything you've ever asked me to do, everything you've tasked me to do, every promise you've ever given to me, I lay it all at your feet and I only want to pick up what you tell me to pick up. And I sensed the Lord standing in front of me when I did that. And like he wasn't pleased with me, he wasn't happy with me, like he was stern. And this is what he said to me. He said, I told you, to get your pilot's license. And all my thoughts of the reasons why I hadn't yet, waiting on the finances to come in, I thought were legit. But did you know that when the Lord shows up, and when He speaks to you, suddenly you see clearly. And you see things as they are, rather than how you thought they were. And in that moment I knew, yes sir, yes you did. And my best excuses were ash, right? There's no excuse. Because we have a house savings, right? That we'd been saving up for our house. It could pay for that. But that wasn't what the money was for, right? We, we have that money set aside for something else. So the Lord says, I told you to get your pilot license. And I said, yes, sir. Yes, you did. And see, I had begun to question whether or not on the mountain I'd heard the Lord. Maybe I didn't hear the Lord. Maybe I just high altitude was affecting me, you know. And starting to have some doubts. And he's, in the next words to me were, I told you on the mountain to get your pilot's license. Yes, that's right. Yes, you did. And um, I said, I will go out Monday morning. Because I knew they weren't open on tomorrow, Sunday. I said, I'll go out Monday morning and I'll sign up at Smoketown. And he says to me, he says, don't sign up, but go down and talk to them. And then come back to me in your office and talk to me. Okay. And then he says to me, he says, how do you see yourself in a plane? Well, I mean, he'd told me months earlier to get my pilot's license, so I've been thinking about this, and I visualize myself in the front of a single-engine small airplane, right? 
I, so I said, in front of, you know, sitting in a small single-engine airplane, he said, you need to think bigger. You need to have bigger vision, and you need to see yourself in a bigger airplane. That airplane needs to have multiple engines. Okay, okay. So um, Monday morning rolls around, and, well, on the way home, I, I share this with Jen, because, like, what I'm fixing to tell her is, honey, I'm taking the house savings, and this is what I'm doing, because the Lord told me to do it. And I'm thinking that we're going to have something to work through right there, right? <laughs> but she goes to me, I mean, just immediately, well, that's the Lord. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. That's the Lord. And so, more confirmation for me. It's always good when, when the person that you're closest to in the whole earth is in, in unity and agreement with you. And so, I... Uh, I, Monday morning went down and talked to Smoketown, went to Lancaster, talked to them, came back, talked to the Lord, and the Lord said, okay, do it in Colorado. Okay. So I call up uh, in Colorado, and I tell them that I'll sign up. I'm going to be out there in like a week and a half, and I'll come by, and I'll sign up out there. Okay. They said, well, we think we can do it in a two-week time frame, like an accelerated course, if, if you come and just do nothing but that. Okay, great. So you, you know how I went out there the end of June, 12 days later, I was... A certified pilot. Came back home. Now, here's the thing. The Lord didn't tell us to do that, me to do that as your pastor because he thought I was bored or because I needed something to do to fill my time or to prove a point that it can be done in 12 days. None of that. I believe he helped me do all those things, but there's a greater purpose than just being able to brag and say, oh, I'm a pilot. Yay. Who cares, right? And so that's something I, I was praying about and saying, okay, Lord, what, what is it that you're wanting to do? And, and um, you know, I believed that it has to do with church planting and flying other ministers around, blessing people in that way, and like angel flights or mercy flights is what they call it as well. And so <clears throat> just continuing to pray into that and for clarity. And now that I have my pilot's license, I <clears throat> like to use my spare time to think about airplanes, right? Some people scroll Instagram. I scroll airplanes, and I'm looking at airplanes, and, you know, in my spare time, more airplanes, and I thought, you know, in a couple years, we'll want to buy an airplane, and we will, what I, what I need to do is become acquainted with their prices, what goes for what, what's good, they have, in the airline world, or in the, in the general aviation world, anything airplane related, they just love abbreviations, all right? So there is abbreviations for everything under the sun. And so it takes quite some time to get used to know what TBO and, and FYZ and all these things mean. What is that? When you say that about SMOH, about an engine, what does that mean, right? And so it, it takes a lot of time to get used to all that. So I'm just thinking, well, I'm going to become acquainted with the market, what they cost, and in a couple years, when it's time, we'll buy an airplane. <coughs> so... One day, I am just like I normally am. I had a few free moments, so I'm scrolling through some airplane ads, and I go zipping past an airplane kind of fast, actually. I didn't even really stop. I just stopped and looked at the picture a little bit and, you know, swiped to the next one. And the Lord said, go back. That's the plane. You're going to buy that plane. Really? We're, we're not buying a plane yet, Lord. And so I go back to look at what's, what's this plane. And... I look at the plane and, oh, well, it's a 1964 Cessna 182, so that's like a four-seat airplane. So that's a great plane to start in. And um, 
64, so it probably has all steam gauges. See, I learned on this fancy new glass cockpit all the latest bells and whistles on the plane out in Colorado. That's what I know to fly. All those little round steam gauges. I've also flew those since I got my pilot's license, but they're a whole different animal. So I would really like to have one of those really nice cockpits, right? And the Lord's saying this is the plane, so... Yeah, this one probably has a bunch of steam gauges. I mean, it's a 1964, right? Since about 2002, three, most of the new planes are built with those glass, car, you know, avionics and everything, the newer stuff. So I click on the airplane, I look at the ad. It's got the exact cockpit that I learned in. I mean, like, it looks like I'm looking at the same plane. Now I'm incredulous, right? Like, really? Okay, now, now you have my attention, Lord. And so I spent, I don't know, um, maybe a day praying over it. and You know, maybe it was two days and like, sure, Lord, I just think this is kind of cart before the horse. We're not there yet. I mean, I was thinking that, you know, once we have a couple churches planted and we're, we're getting worn out from running from place to place to place to place where now it makes sense to have an airplane. Uh, for time's sake, you know, that's when we would buy an airplane. So this is kind of like, it's, it's too fast, Lord. You know, don't push me, you know. Let's slow down, Lord. And, um, but no, this is the plane. Buy this plane. So, all right, I'll text the guy. And So, long story short, we uh, reached an agreement on price. And um, I, I paid a mechanic that is actually Jen's cousin to go down and check out the plane and you do a pre-buy inspection. He went through the whole plane. He calls me up and he's like, oh, Sid, he said, this is an amazing plane. I mean, it's old, but like it's really solid. There's no corrosion on it. I mean, this is a really good plane. Now, I haven't done any compression checks on the engine yet, but we're going to do that and then the, the check will be done. And so he calls me back, I don't know, is it an hour later, same day, calls me back and he's like, you don't want the plane. Why? What happened? He says, the engine needs overhauled. And see, that can be $50,000. He said, the engine needs overhauled. And um, he says, the, there's like no compression in cylinder number one, and number three has really low compression. And So he packs his bag and heads home. And so I have just zero dismay, zero disappointment, zero anything like that on the inside. Because I just know that the Lord said this is the plane, so he's going to figure something out. It's not up to me. wasn't my idea to begin with. I'm just, okay. And so the, the guy, I talked to the guy that owns the plane, and he says, well, you know, we can fix it a variety of different ways, but he thinks the best way would be to put a brand new top end on the, air, on the engine. So the bottom end is, um, you know how in cars they measure the uh, cars and miles so uh, you, everyone knows that when a car has a hundred thousand miles sort of what that means for that year you know some cars will go much longer than that but if you have an old car they might not a hundred thousand might be a worn out car well in airplanes they use hours right and so this particular engine can go 1700 hours before it's time to do a mandatory overhaul well, the bottom, the engine had like 590 hours, so it's not even midway in its life. And so now um, he says he's just going to put a brand new top end on it, but he's going to want a little bit more money. And so um, that's what he did, and we agreed to a price, and um, we went down and picked it up on, I went down Sunday and came back with it on Monday. 
So it's, it's hangared in Chester County at the airfield there, and um, it's the first plane. It obviously doesn't have uh, multiple engines, but it'll do us very well currently in the, our church planning in several hours away. I mean, like a four-hour drive to Richmond right now, you do it in an hour in that plane. And so that's kind of the reach. You can see time, times and distances. And um, it also will be a great plane to finish out my training in and get my instrument rating and, um, and get all of that done. Because that is still a bunch of time that we have to put in um, at least 40 hours, but 40 plus hours of training. Which is the same when I got my license the first time. And you can do accelerated courses. You can do it in eight days and things like that. So if you would, put up the photo of uh, the airplane. <clears throat> um, let's go to another photo. That Here is the plane itself. This was yesterday. Um, aren't those trees beautiful? Isn't fall this year like extraordinary? Anyhow, so that's the airplane um, you can uh, go to like FlightAware and put in that tail number and you can follow anytime it flies. You can see where it's going, what it's doing. Um, go to the next photo with the, the last photo that we were in. This is what the, the no, um, this, this photo here is, that's the, from the inside and that's the instruments that I learned on and, and that's what, uh, what the inside looks like. And now go to that other photo that had went up with the scripture verse on it. Then you shall delight yourself in Jehovah, and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the earth. That's in Isaiah 58, 14. This is a photo I took yesterday and, and uh, while we were flying. And that, that scripture is one that I know many people have used in regards to airplanes and those kinds of things. Um, and it was certainly one that I was, was standing on, but I hadn't ever said it to anyone. I just, you know, it was in my personal time, and Apostle Dale, he... he texts me one day with this scripture reference and so I see what it is and just begin to laugh and I'm like yeah that's been that's been one of the ones I've been standing on all right you can shut the uh, photos down <clears throat> so I said all of that to say this is it faster than I'm comfortable yeah no doubt about it I have to deal with fear Right, that I'm taking off, biting off more than we could chew, that I am putting my word out there and saying, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, this is what the Lord said. Right, that's always risky. But I know that the person who loves much risks much, right? Jesus loved and he risked a whole lot when he came for us. And so I'm also willing to step out in, in risk and, but in obedience in doing what the Lord has asked us to do. So if you want to sow towards that airplane, you can do that, and we're going to count that as um, towards our local, out, or not local, our, our state, our nation, eastern seaboard outreach, right? And um, so you can be a part of that, as well as any of the other um, places that you've committed to sowing into. Let's always remember that the Lord keeps his promises and that he has a much bigger vision than we do. I mean, his vision is truly every soul on the planet. Not every soul will say yes, but that's his vision. And ours is sometimes pretty small by comparison, isn't it? So we're going to believe God for him to uh, work with us. If you need an envelope for your missions giving, 
Just raise your hand. They'll bring one to you. And we'll collect that in just a moment. While they're doing that, I want to read to you something that the Lord administered to me some time ago. The week that I went to go get my pilot's license, I believe, maybe the week before, a phrase kept coming up for me, kept coming up for me, honey from the rock. Honey from the rock. What's that about? I know it's in a scripture verse, but I couldn't tell you which verse or what the context is, but honey from a rock. And then a couple weeks later, there was a song released on the radio, if you listen to Christian radio, about honey from the rock. And when that song, when I heard the song, then it just like came alive on the inside of me. It's like, okay, I need to look into this and look up these scripture verses. So I go and I dig, I dig into these verses and I begin to read. And this is the first one that I come to and I read. Um, he made him to ride on the heights of the earth. That's like airplane language, right? He made him to ride on the heights of the earth and to eat the produce of the field. He nourished him with honey from the rock and oil from the flinty rock. I was like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And so I began to look at more and more. And, you know, honey from a rock and oil from a rock is pretty unlikely. Right? I mean, he, he watered the children of Israel for how long with water from a rock? Right? The rock split open, water gushed out. So for you and I, it's no harder for honey and oil from the rock to pour out and what that is is anointing and the richness of the Lord to accomplish what He wants to do. All right? Take a hold of your uh, missions giving and let's pray over it. Father, I thank You that You know everything and so much more than what we know. And thank You too that You don't overwhelm us with Your vision, with the completeness of it, but rather step-by-step process of it. And I submit myself to you, Father, ourselves as Church of the Word International to you for your plans to be accomplished, for your purposes, your divine appointments, every place, everything that you want us to do. We set ourselves in agreement with you at your service. Father, we present our offering to you tonight as we send it to all the different places around the world, the different works, the different um, missions that we have, have partnered with. And Father, I ask you to bless those places. Thank you that your hand of protection is on those places and that those places are blessed, that they are at the right place at the right time, that you bring people alongside of them to work with them, and that you put it on people's hearts to partner with them financially. And we just declare, Lord, that your promises are true in this house. And that as we give, it will be given back to us. And that we have a great harvest from you so that we might do even more at the next sowing. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. And amen. All right, the ushers can wait on the people. And the people will give unto the Lord.